Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Uh, Yesterday, I teased the fact that we would get a good guest on the program today and talk about the nuclear basics, the capability of Russia. And I think I'm about to over-deliver because Hans Christensen has the answers and is the director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists and joins me now. Mr. Christensen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. Before I ask you some of my seemingly naive questions, can you give my audience 30 seconds on your background so that they can appreciate your impressive credentials on this subject? (laughs) Thanks, yes. Um, I'm the director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists. It's a public education uh, program where we inform the world about the status of nuclear forces around the world. It is your business, therefore, to be knowledgeable about not only the American, but the Russian capability vis-a-vis nuclear weapons. Correct. To the extent we can. Of course, a lot of this information is, uh, is secret, so we have to make our estimates. Right. And that was actually my first question. So what, what are the means by which you're able to, to make determinations? How do you get the information? Uh, it's a broad, broad range of, uh, array of uh, of information. Some comes from declassified documents, some comes from past treaties, some come from leaks, uh, some from government statements, newspaper articles, um, to some extent even Russian official government uh, press releases. So there's all sorts of uh, information that flows into this. Is the United States transparent? Do we reveal what we have when it comes to nuclear weapons? Overall, yes. Of course, there are many, many secrets underneath that. Right. Uh, main, chat, main headline. Right. But uh, but overall, yes, the U.S. to its credit uh, uh, tells the world how many nuclear warheads it has in its military stockpile. Is that the proper lexicon? In other words, I now want to focus your attention on Russia. Should I be asking the question, how many nuclear warheads <laughs> do they have? Yeah, well, only the Russians really know that, of course. But our estimate is that they have in the order of four thousand five hundred in their military stockpile. So OK, that's and- a- that's a little more than the U.S., which has around 3,700, but the specific numbers don't really matter that much. So when I use the word warhead, what does that literally mean? That's the thing that goes bang. So, right. you know, it can be the explosive package that can be in a bomb that's dropped, or it can be inside a cruise missile that flies toward a target. And does one cruise missile reach one target, or can a cruise missile in flight 
end up targeting five different locations? Uh, no, with the nuclear payload, it can only reach one target. Um, but one aircraft can carry up to 20 uh, cruise missiles. So, you know, you can, it's, about, it's about the delivery vehicle instead. If they have roughly 4,500 nuclear warheads, how are they allocated as between short and long range, if we know? Uh, the estimate is that two-thirds of them or so are for strategic forces, long-range forces that are intended to, essentially intended to target the United States. Uh, but um, short of 2,000, they have tactical nuclear warheads for delivery by ships and tactical fighter wings, even in army units and air defense units and things like that. So in other words, the long range are the strategic. That would be something targeted toward the United States in, in a more concentrated, like we're focused on now in Ukraine or in Europe. Those would be the, the tactical weapons with a shorter range to them. Most likely. These, ta- these tactical weapons are sort of a product of the Cold War, if you will, uh, because they were explicitly developed to, to fight battles in, in a region. Okay, another, and, and by the way, thanks, thanks for not giggling at any of my questions so far. I appreciate it. Are the strategic and tactical weapons always in a position of readiness? Not the tactical, but the strategic uh, weapons, uh, at least those that are on the ballistic missiles on land, the long-range ballistic missiles, and on the missiles on board uh, strategic submarines, those warheads are ready to go. Um, so we're talking about about uh, 1,600, 1,500 uh, of those that could be launched on relatively short notice on the Russian and, side. And the tactical, are they in some form of storage? Correct, yes. Um, it, the, the details are obviously very vague, but it is thought that the warheads themselves are in bunkers. And so for them to be used, they would first have to be you know, transported out and up, up to the front line where the launchers are. And that would take time and would give away most likely the activity. When Putin recently revealed that he had gone to a heightened state of of nuclear preparedness, did he do what you just described? Is that what he was referencing? No, not at all. In fact, it sounds like it was mainly sort of a, um, you know, a, a, a verbal threat. Um, uh, there were no apparent uh, changes in the way that they operate the nuclear forces. If the tactical weapons were removed from storage in the means that you described, would we necessarily know that? Would satellite images, for example, pick it up? I think uh, the, the, the total combination of intelligence means, yes, I think there's a very good chance it would be detected. Hmm. What's, what's the time to reach the United States from a strategic or long-range nuclear warhead? If it's launched from uh, Russia or Russian waters in that area, it's about uh, half an hour. 30 minutes. And if, it's, and, and if it's launched from waters closer to the United States, I'm not sure how close they could come to the United States, but obviously less than 30 minutes. Yes, ballistic missile submarines, in theory, of course, could sail off uh, the, east, uh, the East Coast. And in that case, you could get a warhead on target in about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. By the way, this is Hans Christensen, director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists. Do we have any idea here in the United States of the actual targets of the Russian strategic nuclear warheads? We have a pretty good sense, uh, both from sort of general thinking about this, but also because 
our military is running uh, war games, of course, simulated war games where they're trying to mimic uh, what a Russian uh, strategic attack would look like. Uh, and the targets, they include the military facilities, uh, air bases, uh, naval bases, command and control centers, weapon storage sites, uh, power plants, um, and ultimately also cities, of course. And Mr. Christensen, do they go to a level beyond the militaristic, for example? Would they, I don't know, would they seek to, to wipe out America's uh, intelligentsia class? Would they target universities? Would they target Silicon Valley? Would they target areas in Austin, Texas, because there's a lot of creative talent there? Do, do we know? We don't really know, at least not in public. And the point is, there is an, there's a purpose of targeting, which is about uh, dismantling or disabling military capabilities, of course. But a nuclear war can, in theory, escalate to an even more crazy level where anything essentially is a target. And if it has in, industrial value, if it has uh, significant cultural value, even it could be a target. The 4,500 nuclear warheads, as you described, the things that go bang, how do they in 2022 compare to Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Uh, A very wide spectrum. Some of them have about the same uh, yield. They also have many that have much lower yield. But most of the strategic long-range warheads have much higher yields. And we were talking about several hundred kilotons versus 15 kilotons of the Hiroshima bomb. Is there a modern equivalent of the red phone in effect right now? There is. Um, doesn't exactly look like the red phone, but there are several lines of communication that can be opened, uh, including between the top military uh, officials. Uh, so here in the United States, it would be our part would be uh, General uh, Milley here. Do we know whether any communications have recently taken place along those lines, if for no other reason than to test the connection? Uh, yes, I've heard they've been in contact, but I have not heard about, you know, explic- explicit issues, whether it related to the nuclear alert or whether it's just uh, talking over the general strategic situation regarding the war in Ukraine. I'm almost finished. And again, thank you for being so gracious with your time. Are there treaties? What happened to SALT and all the agreements we had reached with the Russians? Is yes. anything still in effect? Well, SALT turned into START, and START turned into New START. And so right now, in effect, is the New START treaty that puts a lid on how many strategic uh, nuclear forces Russia and the United States have, and importantly, how many of their warheads they're allowed to deploy on those strategic launchers. Now, this treaty has just been extended, but it will expire in 2026. If it's not renewed, then there will be no limits at all on nuclear forces for the first time since the 1970s. Why would we need to have thousands of nuclear weapons? Why, why couldn't we have, and maybe I'm about to answer my own question, why couldn't we have 10? I guess the idea is because if they knocked out your 10, you'd be screwed. But if the whole notion is mutually assured destruction, doesn't destruction occur, you know, much less than 2,000 nuclear warheads? Yes, you could most likely do sort of adequate deterrence with a few hundred warheads maximum. And in right. fact, if you look at what countries have around the world, there's no other country in the world that has more than a few hundred nuclear weapons. Uh, the United States and Russia are in a completely different category. And that is because of historical developments. They were the main 
drivers of the Cold War, of course, and they're still very much uh, sort of colored by that history. How many nations have nuclear weapons? Nine. This, and that includes Israel, right? It does. It's the United States, Russia, Britain, France, China, India and Pakistan, and North Korea, and of course Israel. Scary. India, Pakistan, North Korea. The, the hair on the back of my neck just went up. You have really been a gracious soul. What haven't I asked you? What are you sitting there saying, geez, he should have asked me this? Uh, how likely is it that nukes could be brought to use in the Ukrainian crisis is a what, key what's issue the answer in the to that? public debate right now. Well, what's the answer and to my that? Answer to that? My answer to that is a here and now, not very likely at this level. For that to happen, fortunately, uh, it would have to escalate significantly, I think, to a direct conflict between uh, NATO and Russia. But there are potential risks, of course, of mistakes and inadvertent escalation that could happen and sort of spin out of this conflict. So it's a very, very dangerous situation. But you could see, you know, if the MiG fighter deal ever got put together and Putin wanted to engage with NATO, I don't know why he would, but let's say he's imbalanced and not thinking clearly. He could use that as a rationale. He could use the delivery of armaments or sanctions or any number of things we've done and say, that's it. I'm now at war with NATO. And before you know it, the dominoes start to fall. Before you know it, yeah, well, it, it would have to go through a number of cycles, I think. Um, keep in mind that even though the, the Ukrainian situation is uh, horrific and, and Putin's future might be on the line for sure, um, the future of Russia is not on the line. And so we're still far from where, at least according to the Russian nuclear doctrine, that would be a scenario significant enough for him to be uh, sort of using nuclear weapons. A final question, and this time I mean it. Does he need anyone else's sign-off, he, Putin? Uh, he needs someone to sign off in the sense of um, uh, carrying out the attack, so to speak. I mean, he, he can give the order... And his order trickles down through their command and control system. But he needs the help, of course, of other people that have to, to carry, uh, it out. carry out the order. And, and Mr. Christensen, there was that famous episode where the order was given and a sub commander, right? A Soviet in the early 60s, a, a sub commander didn't carry out the order and and theoretically spared the world of a nuclear strike. Am I right? Yeah, there was an incident from the Cuban Missile Crisis where a submarine uh, had three officers on board that had to agree to use a nuclear torpedo. Two of them agreed. One officer said no. Because of that one officer, the Soviet Union did not use nuclear weapons. Holy smokes. That was extremely well done. Thank you very, very much, Hans Christensen. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. You got it. Well, I just learned a lot. I hope you did, too. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. It is day 16 of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Here's the way this morning's Washington Post summarizes the situation. They don't fully control the skies, despite possessing one of the world's most advanced air forces. Their ground assault on the Capitol has been inching along for days with a miles-long convoy marooned by supply problems. And all the while, they are taking heavy losses, both in personnel and equipment. Two weeks after Russian forces streamed into neighboring Ukraine following months of buildup, evidence is mounting that the invasion has not gone to plan and that Russia's most vaunted military may not be the formidable force once feared. That doesn't mean Russia won't ultimately seize Kiev and topple the Ukrainian government, and it doesn't mean Ukraine won't pay a horrific price in both military and civilian casualties as it continues to do daily. But the stumbling pace of Russia's assault since President Vladimir Putin ordered troops into Ukraine late last month, marked by apparent confusion among commanders, plus viral images of downed Russian planes and tanks set alight, has reset expectations for how the conflict will unfold. Somalia Bobrovska is a member of Ukraine's parliament, the secretary of the Committee on Foreign Affairs, deputy head of the Ukrainian delegation to NATO, as well as a former acting governor of the Odessa region, and joins me now from Kiev. Somalia, thank you so much for being my guest. I hope you're safe. 
The Washington Post summary that I just read aloud, does that sound accurate to you? Um, yes, and uh, we we are ready that uh, we are trying to ready actually that this operation, their so-called operation, will be a long-lasting, um, long-lasting war uh, because if they wanted to get key for two or three days and they expected to have this operation, so-called operation, as a blitzkrieg, and that happened impossible, that that's um, that that we that we understand that uh, key will stand um, more than even a month or two uh, more, and they have to move forward somehow from, for example, Kherson, which is in the south, to move to Mykolaiv and to Odessa as well. But And we expect uh, Russian troops from Mykolaiv region, uh, from, the, from the eastern part to Odessa, um, to, to, to take into the circle to, um, to occupy or to take into the isolation or blockade as it happened in Mariupol. Uh, but um, the, the point is that no no way to make it um, to to have the ceasefire or even to have the normal uh, humanitarian corridors um, with a diplomatic way. That's for us the the, the most painful uh, issue for now. Solomia, it's early afternoon for you in Kiev. It's morning for me here on the east coast of the United States. Put me in your shoes. What is it like to be in Kiev right now? Do you have power? Do you have water? Do you have food? Do you see Ukraine troops? Try and take me into your world. Uh, so you have to understand that Kiev is full of the blog posts. And uh, if you go to see the pictures during the Second World War in Kiev, uh, uh, without not bombing, it's, it now looks like uh, it was before before the war, but like, uh, just in in a while before, I would say, but the total war and the the, the cities, the small towns, suburbans, which are now almost destroyed, are near Kiev, uh, and it's Hostomel and it's Bucha and it's this old towns where people used to live and to, and they are in the morning went to Kiev to to, to their work, um, and uh, there is no still um, Kiev is not is is not. Uh, so far in the blockade as it's now in Mariupol. Mariupol is totally in a, in a, in a disaster um, and, and blocked. Uh, in Kiev, you can get to Kiev, even with maybe the parliament will gather to vote maybe next week. By the way, um, the government is staying still in Kiev. The president remains to be in Kiev as well. Um, around 2 million people are now in Kiev living. Uh, and it's still possible to get to Kiev and to go out. Um, only from the southern way, we do, we do understand that Russian troops trying to block um, even that um, that um, entry uh, entry road to to the city. But but still now it's only it's it is um, under Ukrainian um, armed forces. And uh, um, what we what we have now almost every second day. That's a big fight between Russian and Ukrainian armed troops uh, in this small suburban town. So how far from where you are right now is that fighting taking place? So it's like, I don't know, like seven, eight kilometers away. It happened yesterday in the Brovary. By the way, we had there the um, SOCOM, our special operation um, command uh, center. And actually that was the first point they bombed on the very first day. 
um, and the problem is uh, we are afraid they will use um, they will use um, uh, again air bomb or to Kiev if they if the targets will be for sure to take Kiev as they if they um, it happened uh, in uh, with the Kharkiv. And the most frightening uh, story is just just maybe half an hour, half an hour ago, we've got information that Putin gave an order uh, on Chernobyl uh, nuclear power plant station to be prepared to have the um, uh, like a chemical operation or what to use to use that um, that source to to find the people and maybe um, uh, to use that that nuclear power plant as an instrument. Meaning to bomb the plant in the hopes that it would rain radiation on Ukraine. Uh, we are afraid to. Uh, we are afraid um, to have this uh, to, to have this scenario. But um, of course, but what we have now that the Belarusian so-called professionals came to Chernobyl power plant station and will work instead of Ukrainians who now who now like the workers who are, who are there. And they announced the special operations we are waiting for. Um, but the, the, the another issue is, a couple of days ago, they started to have in the media that um, that uh, in Russian media that Ukrainian nationalists are trying to use the chemical attack. That means we have to be prepared. Ukrainian side have to be prepared for Russian using this chemical attack. Maybe in Kharkiv, maybe in Kiev, or maybe even in Mariupol. So, like. No, no way to understand his logic. It's totally irrational what he's going to do. But we have to understand that they, uh, they, uh, they, their ways to attack Kiev and Ukraine can be very unexpectable. Solomia, from halfway around the globe, I have this impression that Russia probably can't be stopped, but that ultimately Ukraine will outlast the Russian invaders. Does that sound right to you? Uh, you know, um, um, for me, sounds now and for all the Ukrainians that the world doesn't want to fight with Russia. So the only the only one state who are not fighting is is Ukraine. Yes, but with the help of the partners having some weapon and so on. But um, that's why we are asking and calling for the help and for the aid. Please help us, for example, to close the sky. Because you see how uh, efficient uh, are our armed forces, Ukrainian, on the land, and we will do this by ourselves with their uh, with their land forces, airborne forces, and so on. But just help us with the sky, which is so open for us, and they are bombing civilians, making uh, making psychological operation to make them panic, to uh, to make them press and, um, them to ask the help from the Russians and so on. So I think if uh, if the Europe or if NATO allies. Uh, if Western countries they became uh, united to uh, to resist Russia, we will get opposite um, uh, opposite result that we all uh, that we all expect that Ukraine will just lose. In other words, um, you you are the deputy head of the Ukrainian delegation to NATO, and what you're saying is that what you most need is that NATO would impose a no-fly zone. You know that from the American yeah. perspective, they say, the Biden administration, well, then we would be directly, we'd be combatants in this war. I know, but nobody, nobody is saying that, Biden, that Putin will attack, will attack on um, U.S. or NATO states, um, allies uh, on the air. 
who 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 giving the guarantees? Maybe he just playing, saying this words, and he knows that no one will uh, no one will resist him, and that's why that what he is doing is allowed to do with us, to do with Moldova, to do with Georgia, and who can who can say for sure that, for example, if the next will be the Baltic states, this Article Number Five will work for that, because that the easiest way will be just to just to leave them alone. These are two small states just to, to, to fight for them and to make the, sec- the Third World War. But the problem is we, we, we think and what we feel now that we should still betrayed, if not even not the... Betrayed, uh, by, betray, betrayed by NATO, betrayed by NATO and the United States? I would say bet- betrayed by the collective West. Uh, by the state. West. Uh, yes, with all respect and with the all being thankful for, for support, but no jets, no... A protect system and um, the government for sure knows we need that um, and we ask him please give us and we will do by ourselves we do not need your soldier we do not need anything just help us to, to be to make our army um, stronger and to do that by by ourselves this is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. There's a former United States senator named Joe Lieberman. And he wrote an opinion piece for a major, uh, major American newspaper, the Wall Street Journal. He said this, NATO refusal to give Ukraine 
no-fly protection from continuing indiscriminate and inhumane Russian attacks from the air is strategically weak and morally wrong. The argument that you're making for me right now. Yes, and he quite right, because to, uh, that's, that means that we can just use in the sample of Europe or in this eastern part of the Europe, cluster bombs, we can just see the dying of the children from hydrization, dehydrization in Mariupol. And we are just letting them do whatever they want, everything. But, but who, uh, who is like, uh, who can say that uh, Poland, again, Baltic states will not be the next? But they, his, uh, Putin's appetites will be, in, uh, will be stopped on Ukraine. No. And I'm just, I'm just curious why um, I'm always saying that it's very comfortable for Europe, first of all, to have Ukraine, Moldova, and Georgia beside because they can trade our ter- territory whatever the, how they, like, whatever they want and whatever they need uh, because they feel we're like a buffer zone between Russia and between uh, Europe. But it's totally wrong because now we are the first shield for them. And not not protecting us, and not helping with the crucial weapon, or with the anti-air missile system, or with the uh, fly jets. Uh, we are just trying to 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 fight with the sticks, uh, with the with the so so high quantity of the Russian troops. Salomia, a final question, and thank you for being so gracious with your time. Are you in touch with President Zelensky? Are, I'm wondering how government functions. Are you able to get in touch with him? Have you seen him? No, no I, we do not see him. Uh, he's working 24-7 with, with uh, his commander of the armed forces and with all um, commanders of the, um, our armed, armed forces and um, soft, navy, airborne, and so on. But we are all in touch with um, with the government, with um, uh, other MPs. We are all working, supporting our, our. First of all, you have to understand that the state just became as became as a service to assist uh, armed forces. We uh, we all twenty four seven engaged to support armed forces, uh, either armed forces or civilians who need to be uh, removed or evacuated or who need um, help or any assistance or any aid. So we are all working on the field. We are all moving around Ukraine where we have constituency uh, or our field of work. And we are, we are all in touch. But we are not uh, trying to disturb um, what he's neither doing. president nor, nor chief commander. Okay. Uh, Godspeed. I wish you all good things. Thank you so much. Salomia Bobrovska is a member of Ukraine's parliament, the secretary of the Committee on Foreign Affairs, deputy head of the Ukrainian delegation to NATO, as well as former acting governor of the Odessa region. I have to say, when I when I hear her say we feel betrayed by the West, actually, I have a number of things that I quickly want to say. One, the survey question yesterday at Smirconish.com was the Joe Lieberman statement about NATO's refusal to give Ukraine a no-fly zone being strategically weak and morally wrong. 61.01% of 10,259 votes agreed with Joe Lieberman. 60-40, let's call it, less than the 80-20 that many of my prior surveys have been gleaning. But here's the, the important point that I want to make. As soon as she said, we feel betrayed by the West, it reminded me of an interview that I did with Thomas Friedman from the New York Times last Saturday on CNN. And I read to Tom Friedman a comment 
that had been appended to a column he had just written from a New York Times reader. I'm going to read you now just one sentence, two sentences. This is a New York Times reader responding to a Tom Friedman column on Ukraine. And the Times reader said this. There's another potential ugly outcome. Remember, Friedman had written of the three scenarios in terms of what was about to happen in Ukraine. So a reader now says there's another potential ugly outcome. Russia levels Ukraine's cities and the West does little to help but offer admiration for Ukrainian courage and perhaps a few more infantry weapons. Ukrainians will likely feel completely abandoned and equally mad at Russia and the West. And in that scenario, Putin wins. Ukrainians will likely feel completely abandoned and equally mad at Russia and the West. And in that scenario, Putin wins. If, if Russia ultimately can't be stopped, but can be outlasted by Ukraine when it's all said and done, are they going to look at us and say, you betrayed us? The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Great. 